So that's how Christmas first came to Eternia. Not everyone celebrates Christmas, but the spirit of the Christmas season is within us all. It's a season of love and joy and caring. And presents. <laughs> presents are nice, Orko, but Christmas means much more than that. I know, Adam. Christmas is a time of peace and caring and happiness. That's right, Orko. And what would make you happiest this Christmas? Presents. Oh, Orko. <laughs> <laughs> Direct from both Eternia and Etheria, from deep within the confines of Castle Grayskull, it's time to join in the battle for the power of goodness with Chris Vint and the Masters of the Universe Chronicles. Hello there and welcome to the show. I'm Chris Vint, aka Vintoman on the Heman.org boards and also on VG Losers board as well, uh, which you can get to via uh, thatnewtoysmell.com, uh, which is obviously the official home of Masters of the Universe Chronicles. So I'd just like to take this opportunity to wish all the listeners a very Merry Christmas and hope everyone has a very safe and happy new year and that everyone gets the Masters of the Universe figures they want, whether it be Scareglow or Green. Goddess, King Grandor, or whether they've actually asked in advance if they can get a later Christmas present in uh, Adora or uh, Battle Armor He-Man, which I'll get to you later on. So this month's show is the Blockbuster Show, which has Robert Lamb, as I mentioned on uh, the earlier December show. So Mr. Lamb talks about different things to do with uh, Masters of the Universe, how he got into filmation, his favourite episode, different things, well, his take on Mike Young Productions uh, show as well. So there's different things that he talks about. It lasts for about half an hour. It's a very good listen, if I do say so myself. We also have a new segment, uh, which is hopefully feature every month. Um, I've managed to get in touch with Roboto, who is attempting to do an interview for the show, with the difference being his interviews will either be Eternia or Etheria-based. So let's see how he gets on right now with interviewing the royal family. Well, thank you, Chris, and hello, fans. Yes, this is Roboto on Special Chronicles podcast assignment here on Eternia. I tried to transport myself to the royal palace to interview the royal family. Uh, however, I must have misconfigured the cosmic key as I ended up right in the middle of the Sea of Rakash. Uh, Merman then found me and captured me. I am now in one of the many dungeons deep within the heart of Snake Mountain. Since I cannot interview the royal family as I had wanted to, I've requested Skeletor to come down here, take time out of his busy day to interview him instead. <laughs> Oh, here he is now. Thank you, Skeletor, for agreeing to this interview. How are you doing today? <laughs> Excellent. Of all your minions, who is your favorite? Evil Lynn, sorceress of night. Ah, yes, Evil Lynn. However, I think I did overhear Beastman earlier saying she's developing a plot to overthrow you. It can't be. It can't be. Tell us, Skeletor, are you currently planning a scheme to defeat He-Man and conquer Castle Grayskull? <laughs> yes! Does this new plot involve you going back to Castle Grayskull? I'll be back to have vengeance, so swear, Skeletor! Well, I'd, this concludes this interview for today. I, I'd love to sit here and rot in your dungeon 
but I do have to get back to planet Earth. D do you, by chance, Skeletor, have the power to transport me back there yourself? Sometimes my power even amazes me. I really wish you would. <laughs> As you wish. Have a nice trip. <laughs> Skeletor, you are the ultimate villain. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, that's going to wrap up my special assignment here on Eternia. This is Roboto for the Masters of the Universe Chronicles podcast, signing off. Chris, back to you. So that was Roboto with his report from Eternia. Next month, he'll be attempting to uh, interview Shira. Will he be successful, or will he end up captured like he did there now I really need to get better people to do these things but anyway uh, tune in next month to find out uh, if he was successful or not so speaking of next month um, I guess this is the perfect time to uh, unveil January's guest this guy certainly knows his stuff alright regarding Master of the Universe and Shira Princes of Power and it was great fun also hearing his answers so the guest um, who I'll unveil is Hi, this is James Etock, a.k.a. Buster Toons. Put down your He-Man and she figures, because you are listening to Chris Bint with the Masters of the Universe Chronicles. That's right, James Etock, um, who is better known to you in the He-Man community as Buster Toons, and also with Serial Geek Magazine. Uh, this is a record-breaking interview, which went on for just a little bit over an hour, I think it was, actually, come to think of it. Um... But uh, trust me, he kn knows his stuff and certainly doesn't waffle. Divulges a lot of information to do with how he's become involved in the He-Man community, what his favourite episodes are, um, interviewing Larry Dettelio, things like that. So yeah, it's a very good listen and uh, uh, hopefully uh, you'll all enjoy that there and look forward to seeing your feedback on that and also on the Robert Lamb interview. January sees the release of Adora which is highly anticipated. Everybody is looking forward to that, myself included, especially after watching the footage from the San Diego Comic-Con and seeing her unveiled as a January figure. Just hearing the people in the crowd just thinking, oh, she ran, and then whenever Adora came unveiled, everyone was just so happy. Uh, so I cannot wait for the release of these figures. So make sure that you are uh, on your computer promptly um, to get... Battle Armor He-Man. Adora, you won't need to worry about if you're part of the Eternia subscription, uh, but Battle Armor He-Man is a bonus figure. Um, speaking of bonus figures, I think they're also going to do a reissue of Beastman for January. So that would be another one. I don't know whether they're going to do one of them a month, so I think if memory serves that February we would get um, Stratos then and March would possibly be Faker. I'm not sure if I'm 100% correct on these. My memory is not as good as it used to be. These will sell out in record time. Battle Armor He-Man and Adora I would highly anticipate to last not even a day. Uh, February we have Trapjaw slash Cronus and Battlecat. Now you can actually see pictures of Battlecat if you go to maddiecollector.com and click on the news section of it. You will actually see um, pictures of Battlecat there. That's basically it for the time being. Um, so up next is a Robert Lamb interview after a quick commercial break, as always. I uh, hope you all enjoy this. Don't forget to go to thatnewtoysmell.com and killinenterprises.com. Just if you have some money burn a hole in your pocket um, after the Christmas holidays, um, go there, see about getting yourself any staction figures that you're currently missing in your line, um, etc. And head over to vglosers.com. Um, 
participate in the discussion to do with the the Masters of the Universe podcast. So head over there. Don't forget to go to heman.org uh, messenger board as well. So I wish you all a very Merry Christmas and hope uh, Santa's good to you all and uh, have a very safe and happy new year. And I shall see you all in 2010. The Masters of the Universe Chronicles will return after these messages. An evil fog. Cyclone, use your whirling powers to investigate. Around and around I go. Decide, Cyclone, with fist up fly. You can't stop my whole evil arc when Cyclone spins. Evil never wins. Cyclone, from the Masters of the Universe collection, each toy sold separately. From Mattel. Comets bring heroic warriors. Stonedar and Rockon landing soon. Hey guys, Pixel Dan here. If you enjoy my Masters of the Universe reviews, then you'll love That New Toy Smell. That New Toy Smell is a show completely dedicated to bringing you the latest news and video reviews of toys from the past and today. There's a new episode every Saturday at www.thatnewtoysmell.com. We hope to see you there. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, young lady. Merry Christmas, brother. Ho, you know, you knew it was me all the time, didn't you? Uh-huh. Well, Merry Christmas, sis. Merry Christmas, everybody. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to down and brought to me! Across the face. Of Earth. From a distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe. Live the adventure. Hey, I'm John Callis, and you're listening to Masters of the Universe Chronicles with Chris Vint. Don't forget to send us your MP3 files to snakemountain316 at yahoo.co.uk and have them played on the show. Hello and welcome back from the break. Uh, I'm still Chris Vint, aka Ventoman, on the Heman.org messaging board. Uh, I've got a very special guest today, uh, one that uh, will probably be my biggest guest to date and probably of all time. Um, so if you would like to introduce yourself, please. Hello, my name is Robert Lamb, and I'm very happy to be on uh, the Masters of the Universe Chronicles show. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Mr. Lamb, and yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule, on, especially on a Saturday, to come on my show and answer a few questions that both myself and the fans really want to hear your response on. 
Well, it's my pleasure. What would you like to know? Okay, we'll crack on with the first question. So the first question I have for you is, uh, what were your earliest memories of He-Man, and how did you he- first hear about the show? Well, I would have, I would say that was in 1982. Um, I heard about this uh, new cartoon show that was being developed by Filmation, and I had seen the comic books, the He-Man of the Masters of the Universe comic books, out on the shelves by DC Comics, and I had come across the toy line just, you know, incidentally, and uh, I had worked for Filmation prior to to uh, 1982, and was very excited that they were back in production again, and so uh, uh, I started boning up on everything I could find on He-Man, uh, wanting to get back on the crew, and uh, uh, happily I was able to do that. Okay. Uh, you were also employed as a storyboard artist on the series. Um, how did this come about that you actually became a storyboard artist with them? Well, um, I wish I had been on the first call back. Uh, they started production, and I, I heard about it. They, uh, the storyboard department had a test that they gave out to uh, prospective artists to see if they could handle an action-adventure storyline. Some cartoons are, are funny things, and some people can do comedy very well, but they can't do uh, superhero stuff. So they wanted to kind of weed out uh, and find the right uh, people. I had worked for Filmation in the 1981 season, and so I did have a track record there. But uh, everyone had to audition for the show, and I was uh, hired in um, March of 1983, and. Uh, was just thrilled because prior to that we didn't have uh, uh, a long series of shows to do. A typical Saturday morning show was 13 episodes and here was a 65 half hour series which meant a good long run of employment. So Mm -hmm. it was very exciting and also many stories to help develop character and situations and uh, storylines and so on. So I was very eager to get on on staff and I, I was glad that I made the cut. As were we, whenever we actually got some of your episodes, which we'll talk about in a minute or two. Uh, did you have any artistic influences when you were actually illustrating the boards? Well, yes, I did. I uh, Well, first thing I did is I bought all, every uh, DC comic I could find, so I had some visual reference to start with. Bought a few couple of the toys, the He-Man, I think a, a Tila toy, and, and just kind of looked at the... Uh, uh, use them as reference when I'd uh, uh, you know turn them around, see them from different angles, and so on. But then, as far as other illustrators and artists, I uh, went to Sword and Sorcery uh, type things: Conan the Barbarian, uh, Frank Frazetta's paintings, and uh, Barry Windsor Smith, who uh, illustrated the uh, Conan the Barbarian comics for Marvel uh, in the 70s and, and early 80s, and found those very good stimulating uh, inspirations for uh, for He-Man. Okay, brilliant. Uh, so what was it like working at Filmation, uh, specifically in the storyboard department? Well, that would be hard to uh, describe. It was uh, inspired lunacy, is the best <laughs> I, could, I could think of. Uh, it was a great bunch of, of people. Um, there was not that many women in the storyboard department, though there were a, a few. It was mostly a bunch of goofy guys, <laughs> and um, all lovers of comic books, all collected toys. Everybody's uh, desk was 
covered with uh, small action figures and and even fast food promo toys just uh, everywhere. And uh, we were constantly lampooning whatever shows we were working on, whether they were serious shows or comedy shows. We would uh, draw uh, comical uh, cartoons for each other and slip, slip them under each other's door. <laughs> and we, uh, it, was a, it was a great time. We also had a lot of, of inspiration from one another. Uh, in order to reference each show, uh, because there was a, uh, we needed to know if, has He-Man ever picked up a rock and thrown it? Let's, and, well, uh, Don Manuel had him to pick up a rock and throw it, so here, look at his board. And so we would, we would uh, cross-reference each other's boards a lot, and that was also very stimulating because we got to see uh, how different storyboard artists handle different story problems or, or challenges and come up with solutions and uh, interesting ways to stage actions and so on. And uh, also there are many stories being uh, developed at the same time. And so we would look to see what had been established in the previous episode uh, because we didn't get to read every single script uh, as they came along. So we would confer with one another and say, uh, 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 how did you handle this in this situation? And does men-at-arms always do that? And just there's a lot of good cross-pollination and, and inspiration and it was just a great uh, family atmosphere. Uh, Filmation was a, a fine place to work. Uh, Lou Scheimer, the head of the, uh, the company, uh, cared very much about uh, his employees. And in fact, during 1982, there was a union strike against uh, all the studios for sending their work overseas. And uh, uh, Lou picketed his own studio because he felt very strongly about keeping all the creative uh, talent here and keeping all the work in uh, uh, in one building where where it could be uh, the quality controls could be uh, kept and and the most people could be kept uh, employed and we really respected him for that and we try to do our very best for him and it, it created a very much a family atmosphere and a lot of the people that, that worked at Filmation stayed there uh, for many years Others, you know, a few people would, would bounce around from studio to studio depending upon uh, what shows were going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I had to say that, that uh, working at the Filmation Storyboard Department was probably uh, the best uh, career time of my life. Wow. It certainly sounds like it would be a fun place to work anyway. Um, so as well as being a storyboard artist on the series, you also wrote some episodes for both He-Man and She-Ra. Um, how did you make the transition from artist to writer? Um, it was a surprising development, actually. At the beginning of the He-Man series, we received a uh, copy of the Writer's Guide, uh, the He-Man Bible. It was written by Michael Halperin. And there was all kinds of interesting things in the backstory, and after you know uh, a full season of He-Man, I was realizing that that a lot of the the interesting elements of the uh, series Bible wasn't showing up in the series that much, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of repetitive storylines. We find yet another civilization that would have yet another problem that He-Man would have to bail them out of, and it was just kind of getting a little bit. Uh, uh, redundant and I remember saying I'm getting tired of having to board the same script again with different faces so I went back to the um, 
to the series Bible and looked at some things and said, you know, we need to do some things more about Grayskull. We need to do some more things that explore the characters. And I came up with a, uh, an idea, and I, I pitched it to um, the head of the writing department, uh, Arthur Nadell, with the idea that, uh, uh, you know, I requested that Larry Dottilio, my favorite writer, get to do the script. I just wanted to board it. Well, Larry was busy, and Arthur said, well, this is actually a pretty good story idea. Why don't you write it? And I said, me? Um, okay. And so I went home, and I wrote after hours. I, didn't, you know, I was boarding during the day, and I was writing at night. And I came up with a draft and um, uh, gave it to Arthur, and he looked through it. And, and, of course, it was way too long. It was about an hour-long show for a half-hour slot, so I had to cut out a lot of things. And, uh, but overall, it remained fairly intact. And he said, well, I do a polished draft. I did that, turned it over. He said, this is really good. You got another one? And I said, uh, let me see. And I, <laughs> the first one I wrote was Into the Abyss. And that uh, you know, dealt with uh, Tila falling into the chasm uh, around Grayskull and actually being down in the bowels of Grayskull when He-Man does his transformation and all the energy of and power Grayskull goes rushing by her. And it, it turned out to be a villainless rescue story type of thing. But I was able to introduce elements of uh, Tila's relationship to the sorceress, um, some things about the He-Man source of power, and also some things about the relationship between Tila and Prince Adam. And trying to distinguish Prince Adam a little bit more from He-Man, the you know, big superhero, and Prince Adam's a, a mortal man with, with weaknesses, and and I decided that maybe he was tired of being the, you know, the go-to guy all the time, at least in, in his Prince Adam uh, persona. And it was just an, an opportunity to explore more into character, and uh, it, it turned out that it was very well received by the fans, and I've been. Uh, that was the uh, the one that uh, got me started. And the second one I did was called Not So Blind, which I based upon a, a, a blind uh, person that I uh, knew, and that turned also to be a story without a villain, and uh, just had happened to be with what would happen if uh, He Man lost his sight and a blind boy had to help him, and. Again, it was more getting into character. I got to develop the character of Ram Man a little further. So on the strength of those two uh, scripts, Arthur offered me a staff position uh, in the writing department. And I, uh, I got special dispensation from the uh, head of the storyboard department. And I moved in. This was during the second season of He-Man. And I moved into the writing department and... Uh, you know, wrote some more scripts, did a lot of story editing on freelance scripts that came came through. And that's that's how I made the transition. And I stayed there through the, the entire second season of He-Man and the first season of She-Ra. And then some changes were made and I went back into the story depart storyboard department after that. Okay, brilliant. Um, so out of all the episodes that you wrote, whenever you look back on them, which episode is your favorite well, that's a tough one. That's like asking a parent which is their favorite child. I was actually going to contribute that, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard because there's things I liked about all of them. Um, I mean, 
my first one was was Into the Abyss, and that has a special place in my heart. But I have to say, maybe Not So Blind edges out the others um, because of of uh, a lot of the elements that were in there. And one of the things was just uh, being able to develop Ram Man's character. Mm-hmm. But it was just a, an interesting, um, interesting story to develop. Although I do have some fondness for uh, Lucky Lin's a hand from uh, yes. from the Princess of Power. That was that was just too much fun. <laughs> yeah, this is too hard. I like them all. Okay. But I'll say not so blind for the sake of of calling one. For the sake of argument. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, it's a very uh, for me. It's it obviously as you say, it's a very unique storyline. Um, you know, I can't actually think of any other animation show that covered that aspect of having a blind child, you know, helping out the hero, so um, it's probably one of my favorites as well, I would I would have to say. Oh, let me give you an inside joke concerning that one. The character, okay. the character's name of the boy, the blind boy, was Luce. Mm-hmm. It was spelled in my script L-O-O-S. It sounds like Lewis, and basically, I named it after Lou Scheimer. I took his first name and his first, and the initial of his last name and made loose. And the joke was that um, sometimes he would pick uh, designs or colors or things like that that we thought were not good choices. And so it was kind of like calling him a, a referee blind. And we sometimes <laughs> would call Lou blind. How could you choose that model for a character instead of the other one was so much better? So that was just a little... I, you're the first one to hear this. Okay. Um, that uh, that uh, we named Blind Boy after after Lou Shiner. So <laughs> Breaking news and Masters of the Universe Chronicles. You've heard it here first. That's right. Um, so in recent years, uh, Mike Young Productions brought back He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Did you actually watch any of it? And if so, what did you think? Yes, I did. I was uh, very interested to see it come, uh, see the series come back, and and how it was going to be handled. I, I did not see the entire series. I, I did see the first few episodes. There were things I liked about it. There was a, a lot more animation, a lot more action than we were uh, uh, able to afford in the um, uh, in the first series. Um, but honestly, I would have to say that I l- preferred the um, uh, environmental designs of Filmation's mm-hmm. E-Man better. There was more... Uh, uh, there was more imagination given to the uh, uh, alien world of Eternia, whereas a lot of the stuff in, uh, that I was seeing in the Mike Young productions looked very earthbound. Uh, castle Grayskull looked like uh, a European castle, and uh, um, it it didn't have that as much of an alien world feel to it as uh, as Lorenzo Martinez and the other uh, background designers put in in the in the first one. Um, there was, uh, I, you know, I preferred Artila to their Artila, and, and there, there was a few personal preferences, but uh, you know, I did like the fact that they that they did in some ways try to connect with the first series. There were some things that carried over, and uh, you know, it was at least an honest attempt to do it to do it well. Yeah. And and so there there were some good things. I just, I'm naturally biased. <laughs> but uh, um, I was glad to see that He-Man got to see the light of day again. And for that, I'm, I'm very grateful. Okay. 
Um, so Mattel have released the new He-Man figures for the adult uh, adult collector. Uh, so no doubt you are pleased at that. But are you surprised to see He-Man still going strong some 25 plus years later? Very surprised. And in fact, um, I was surprised uh, to go on the internet oh, some 10, 11 years ago and and do a search on He-Man and find so many fan sites. That was my first clue that that anybody even remembered the show. Uh, we knew that we were very popular with with children in the 1980s. I mean, it was a very successful series. But there have been many successful series, and they kind of come and go, and and uh, and that's the end of it. I was very much surprised to see how much the show was uh, not only enjoyed by the children of the 1980s, but that um, that interest, that uh, enthusiasm, carried forward as you know into their teens and, and early adult years, and then to find that uh, you know, in fact, it was that fan interest that brought the Mike Young Productions even into into being and Mattel reintroducing the toy line, and so I'm I was very much surprised, very pleased too. Brilliant. I think we we'll are. All- we are all happy that He-Man is still going strong, you know, with all the DVD releases and the figures, and there's so much stuff still going on about it. You know, it's it's brilliant that something can last as long as it has done. It's just utterly fantastic. Um, so there was an interview with you on the UK DVD release. How did this come about, and did you enjoy the experience? That is really an amazing story. Um, like I said, about 10 years, 10, 11 years ago, I, I found out there were fans of, of He-Man on the web. And one fan uh, is, is James Etock. He had a He-Man and Shira uh, episode review website. And that's how I got my first clue as to how passionate the fans were about uh, these shows. And we struck up a correspondence and kept it up over the years. And uh, James Etock was involved in the uh, uh, UK DVD releases, and he actually proposed that I uh, uh, participate in an interview for the um, you know bonus features on the on the DVD set. And uh, it was kind of a challenge because he was he's in um, uh, in Britain and I'm in America, and we had to kind of work out how <laughs> the logistics of that. And uh, I had access to video equipment, and he you know. Uh, give me the questions and uh, let me ramble on for about two hours of tape and then I I sent him the tape and let him uh, edit it down to something that sounded cohesive like like I knew what I was talking about (laughs) and uh, that that should not be a good thing and ultimately that tape got sent to um, BCI here in the United States for the American release Mm -hmm. and so um, I found myself on uh, both sides of the Atlantic, where where He-Man is concerned, and it was a very enjoyable experience. I mean, I, except for my uh, constant stuttering, which I had to edit out, <laughs> uh, it, it was interesting trying to um, you know dust off the old memory cells and remember uh, something that was you know 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and now like 25 years. The uh, but it it did come back alive to me and. And uh, when I got copies of the uh, episodes on, on DVD, uh, some of them I hadn't seen since the first run in 83 and 84. Uh-huh. And so 
I'd be asked questions of things that I, I hadn't <laughs> seen in 25 years. I said, well, from what I recall, and the interesting thing was what I recalled were the storyboards I did. And sometimes seeing, I would recall a favorite scene in the storyboard of an episode that I, I did that turned out wasn't in the final production because it was cut for time. Mm-hmm. But since I hadn't seen the episode in so long, I, I didn't remember that. So I had waxed, <laughs> Phyllis, I'd waxed eloquent about a, uh, a missing scene. So, and they didn't uh, do deleted scenes on, on DVDs. Uh, so... Uh, no one knew what I was talking about. So I had to put it on my website. I said, this is the scene I was talking about on the DVD set. And I posted the storyboard on uh, on my website so that people um, um, could know what in the world I was talking about. Brilliant. Well, at least it was good research for you to do, you know, watch the episode so you knew um, what, what what happened in each of them then. <laughs> um, so with regards to the Internet, have you had much fan interaction over the years? I have had some. Um not a huge volume, uh, but uh, I've had the most with James E. Talk. That's been an ongoing friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have uh, done a little bit on HeMan.org, and uh, in the last year or so, I, I have put up a website, kind of on my uh, animation memoirs, and I'm, I'm working my way through He-Man now, and uh, I've had a few uh, contacts through that. And... Um, but what is really amazing to me is every once in a while I'll come across a person just in my day-to-day uh, interactions here here locally, and I mentioned that I, I worked on He-Man back in the 80s, and their eyes get large and they get very excited. They say, that was my favorite show as a kid. This, is, this was so important to me. And I went, I am so amazed. <laughs> it was, and, and, I, and I've had that reaction on, online as well. So uh, it's been very gratifying. And I'll tell you, as I, I, I told uh, James Etock one time, I said, um, all this goes to show is whenever you do something, you should do it to the very best of your ability because you have no idea what's going to come back around <laughs> later on. And um, uh, so I was glad that I, <laughs> I put my best foot forward on, on that <laughs> stuff because I'm having to answer for it over and over again. And um, but uh, it was a great time, and and I am just thrilled to find uh, uh, how much fan interest there is on the net. Okay, um, so with you having done so much work on He-Man and Shira, would you, if you were given the chance again, would you write for He-Man and Shira again? Oh, without without hesitation, there was one show that I had wanted to write. That, that I wrote and wanted it to be a two-parter because there's just too much story to tell. And again, it was me going back to the series Bible and trying to mine more material at it. And it was one of the last shows of this second season of He-Man. And it was called The Ancient Mirror of Avatar. I begged to be a two-parter. <laughs> and they said, no, we've given out all the script assignments. This is it. And so I had this great story of getting this ancient mirror which contained basically the series Bible. It had all the information about the ancients and everything else. And uh, the first half of the, you know, the first episode was going to be going to get it. And then the second episode was learning things about Eternia's past and Skeletor trying to get his hands on the mirror. In other words, the best part. And I didn't get to write the best part. It it aggravated me no end. And uh, I'm a regular contributor to um, uh, the magazine uh, Serial Geek. 
and I was asked to write uh, if I you know if you could write a, a new episode for a show, what would it be? And I said, I know just the one. <laughs> and so I wrote my my sequel, my second part to the Ancient Mirror of Avatar, in in prose form, not in not in uh, uh, screenplay form. But I, uh, you said I could do, um, uh, I think twenty five hundred words, and I stopped at about seventy five hundred. And I said, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I think I'm going to go over the page limit. He said, No, this is really good stuff. And this is James E. Talk again, and. So I don't know which issue it is, uh, but in a, in a current or upcoming issue will be the long-awaited sequel to The Ancient Mirror of Avatar. So in a sense, I got to write again for, uh, for He-Man and, and Shira, and we'll see if uh, someone will make it into a cartoon for us. Oh, brilliant. So if you were to revisit your time with Filmation, uh, what would you like to relive? Oh, without a doubt, the He-Man days. Uh, I would I would love to go back and write more scripts. I I, I was sorry that we couldn't do a third season. Um, that was the the very best time. A lot of creative energy, a lot of you know fun people to work with, and uh, this in a sense actually uh, Shira turned out to be our third season He Man because we did get to do a few crossovers and. Uh, uh, and I got to do one of those shows with the with Lookie Lends a Hand, and got to bring back Skeletor, and it was it was like a, a, a reunion of old friends. <laughs> so uh, that's the He Man Shira period was the very best. Okay. We had other shows we worked on that were enjoyable, but I have to say that was the best time. Okay. Uh, do you actually keep in contact with any of the other people who worked with you at Filmation? I do uh, a few online. Uh, Tom Cito, who who is one of the other storyboard artists, went on to uh, do animation at uh, Walt Disney and uh, DreamWorks, and is a, a prominent figure in in the um, Hollywood animation community. I am no longer in the uh, Los Angeles area, so I don't have a lot of daily contact. But we we keep in touch uh, through emails and 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 other means. But uh, no, not not as many as I would like. There, in fact, I'm using uh, the internet to try and reconnect with with some of my old friends that I hadn't uh, uh, been in contact with in a long time. Okay, it's kind of like whenever you leave high school or whatever. You you know, so many people go different ways, and it's hard to keep in touch with so many people. That's exactly it. Okay, so uh, did you particularly like any of the Masters of the Universe merchandise? And do you actually own anything from the Masters of the Universe line that means a great deal to you? I have an original He-Man action figure, uh, just the the, uh, the first release, not, not uh, the battle armor and the other ones, but just the very first release of, of He-Man, and I have one of Tila. Um, I don't think I got any others. I, I tended to collect more um, visual material, comic books, posters, uh, more graphic arts. but. Uh, some of that stuff has survived, and others have disappeared in various moves around town. But uh, I still have uh, the He-Man and Tila dolls, not in pristine condition, I'm afraid, but they're they're still there. Okay. Uh, so, Masters of the Universe and Princess of Power mean so much to so many people. Does it feel good to have worked on projects that are fondly remembered today? 
Oh, absolutely. And again, it's it's been a source of great surprise to me how much uh, those shows are are enjoyed and in, admired, and I, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Okay. Um, it's been it's great to actually have, as I said before, it's great to have such things, you know, from your childhood that you could still, you know, remember today, and you can still collect the merchandise today that you can actually pay out of your pocket for, rather than asking your parents to get it and saying no, just one instead of four or five. But uh, obviously, the prices are a little bit steeper than they were then. Um, so, where can people actually find your work, and what are you currently working on? All right. Well, I, as I mentioned earlier, I have a, a website where I'm, I had posted uh, a number of, of uh, memoirs of my filmation days, plus uh, uh, some storyboard scans and, and other artwork. Um, that can be found at Robert Art Writer. Uh, that's all one word. Dot googlepages. Dot com. And uh, that should be there for a while. They're about to, they may be migrating the page in the near future, but for right now, that, that's where my stuff is. And currently, um, I am uh, not in the animation industry right now. So I have been uh, working as a, a graphic artist uh, for um, uh, a com- computer-based training company and, and doing uh, uh, more ordinary kinds of graphic animation for uh, for training purposes and so on, not exactly as exciting as, as <laughs> E-Man, but it does uh, it, it does pay the bills. <laughs> but okay. I hope someday to get back and and um, back into animation. I've got a few things uh, percolating out on the edges, which I'm not uh, permitted to talk about until they become a reality. So maybe I'll have some news to to give out before long. Okay, fair enough. Mr. Lamb, it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to actually talk to you and get your answers and some of the questions that I've given to you. I really appreciate you taking the time out to come on the show and I know a lot of fans will be interested and intrigued um, to hear what you've had to say. So um, just thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure, Chris. Okay, uh, so that was Robert Land, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I've been Chris Vint, uh, also known as Vinto Man. Until next time. Let the power return!